Hello, this is Pastor Corey Ehrman. You're listening to my podcast. I hope it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you through this teaching. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. I'm, I'm going to speak to you this morning about being new wineskins. Three of people are very excited about that. The rest of you thought a different kind of wine, but that's why we're going to get you delivered. I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> Go with me to Luke chapter 5. <laughs> we have fun here. You know, it's, 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 all, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we drink the new wine here at this church. We are new wine drinkers. And if you're not a new wine drinker and you're a party pooper, you're going to have a hard time hanging with us here. So you're going to have to become a new wine drinker. Amen. Who likes drinking the new wine? It's mighty fine. Amen. It's God's new wine. And... Um, but anyways, let's go to Luke chapter 5, verses 33 through 39. Then they said to him, the disciples of John practice fasting often and offer up prayers of special petition. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees also, but yours eat and drink. <laughs> so they came to Jesus and they basically asked him a question, why is it that your disciples are not fasting? Why do the disciples of John fast, even those of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink? So this was a question the people asked Jesus. Amen. Say the people asked Jesus a question. Now, Jesus was asked questions a lot. And it's always interesting for me to find that he responds with a question. Yeah. <laughs> he always responds to questions with another question. Because they're trying to find out what's in his heart, but he's actually trying to find out what's in their heart. Right? So he asks a question. So there's a parable he gets into, and it's actually in response to a question, and he asks several questions in response back. And he said to them, can you... Make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. I don't know about you. Has anyone ever been to a wedding where there was no food? A wedding reception with no food. You must RSVP, but we will have no food. We're all fasting that day. No, I mean, you expect food at a wedding. You expect food, you expect celebration, you expect to eat, right? And, and you kind of rate the reception by the food. Who's ever done that? Who's ever rated the reception by the food that was there? I guess they must not have had a lot of money, you know, for this reception, you know. Or man, they really went all out. I mean, it's like a seven-course meal. It's gone crazy. I mean, Turkish weddings, they don't even, they last for like a week. You, I mean, it's not even like a, an hour or two. Yeah, they'll, they'll eat. I mean, they, I mean, they'll celebrate for like a week. They'll dancing and 
doing the, all the folk dancing and have food. They have like breakfast and lunch and I mean, dinner. I mean, we know how to have weddings. You know, in the Middle East, it's not like a two-hour wedding. It's like a two-week wedding. And can you just imagine what the wedding supper of the Lamb is going to be like in heaven? <laughs> My God. I mean, he's going to have a spread. Amen. Come on, somebody. You know. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be phenomenal. I mean, we're going to taste of things we've never tasted. And we're not going to eat because we're hungry. We're not going to eat because we need the strength of the food. We're going to eat to enjoy the, the taste of heaven. The Bible talks about tasting of the powers of the world to come. And we get to taste of the powers of the world to come now. You know, we get to taste of heaven even now. Of course, many places you go, you don't taste it, but you just taste religion. You know, the vinegar of religion. But we get to, we get to drink the new wine of the Holy Ghost, and we actually get to, we get to, we get to, <laughs> you liked that one, didn't you? We, uh, um, when Jesus said, I thirst at the cross, they gave him vinegar, they gave him sour wine, vinegar, nasty stuff. And people are thirsty, but religion gives them that sour, nasty, vinegar, sour wine that's 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 all religion has to offer but jesus said if anyone is thirsty let him come on to me and drink and if you are thirsty and of course you have to be thirsty and you have to come but then out of his belly will flow rivers of living water and this he spake of the holy ghost who was not yet given because jesus was not yet glorified so of course after he was glorified the holy ghost has been poured out he was poured out on the day of Pentecost, and he's still moving the same exact way that he moved in Bible days. He has not stopped moving. He's still moving with signs, wonders, and miracles, and the supernatural. He's still being poured out. He's still touching people, and the power of God is still available, just like it was in the days of the book of Acts. Every week, every day, every month, every year, we're adding more and more chapters to the book of Acts, because the book of Acts is the only book in the New Testament that does not have an ending. It just kind of stops because it really hasn't stopped if you know all the books in the world could not contain the things that Jesus taught and the miracles that Jesus did and that was only three and a half years and then he gave us the same ministry all the things Jesus began both to do and to teach we continue and Jesus said even greater works than these you shall do also because I go unto my father. And he has gone to the father. And he said, when I leave, I will not leave you orphans. I will send you another comforter. I will give you the Holy Spirit and he will be with you. He will be in you, the spirit of truth. And you shall have an anointing from the Holy One. He'll abide in you. You will know all things. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will strengthen you. He will anoint you. He'll empower you. So the Holy Spirit is here on the earth right now. And he has not left. Amen. And he's still moving the same way. He's still moving with signs, wonders, miracles. And he's still moving with power. Amen. Hallelujah. Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. So that was the first question he asked. Then he asked a second question. And that's a parable. And he spoke a parable to them. So the parable of the new wineskin is actually in response to a question he was asked about fasting. And you know, 
this is the time of the year, you know, when we come into the new year, everybody gets into fasting. A lot of churches do 21-day fasts, and, and I'm not against it. We've done it. We, I recommend you do it, you know. But ultimately, and I've also seen a lot of people just get into it as a routine because it's just a thing to do when you start the year. But then, you know, January goes by, and they get into February, nothing's really changed. Do you understand me? Because it's not some religious ritual that we can get into. And this is not even a message about fasting, but I'll just throw this one out for free. You know, I won't charge you for this one, but it's just a little side journey we'll take. But here's the thing. If you're fasting and praying, it should bring more power into your life. It, it, is, it is for empowerment. It is for empowerment, you know. And so someone uh, was asking me about fasting this last week, one of the uh, ladies in the church. And I said, look, fasting and prayer is not, you know, fasting is not just to not eat, but it needs to really be about you pressing into the things of God in prayer and just and, and having the Holy Ghost do a mighty work in you. God speak to you. God change you. God empower you. So ultimately, fasting is not to change God. It's to change you, right? It's not to change. Some people think that if they can just fast and pray, they can twist God's arm somehow and get him to agree with what they want to do or bless their plan. No, fasting and prayer is for you to just empty yourself out really and just basically Put the flesh under so you can get into the spirit and you can hear from the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God can do a work in you. Spirit of God can impart things to you. And then you can be empowered. You can have you know, a vision. You can have revelation. And you have direction for your life. And that's what I've been encouraging. We've been speaking on vision. We've been speaking on revelation. And I'll tell you, if you missed Kingdom Business Fellowship this last Tuesday, it was powerful. I spoke about vision, plans, pursuits, goals. And then we will have... Uh, this week we should have um, that on our YouTube channel. So you can go to our YouTube channel, uh, Kingdom Business Fellowship uh, playlist. Josh, please let's make sure we get that because I think I forgot to mention that to you. But we'll get that up there for you and then you can go and watch it if you missed it. And so that was really, really powerful. I mean, it actually, uh, power of God fell and it, it was amazing. But anyway, so then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old, old one. So again... The contrast here is new and old. Amen? Say new. new. Say old. old. All right, that's it. New and old. So otherwise, the new makes a tear. See, the new never fits in. The new never fits in. The new is always going to tear things up. You know. Revival always comes to first tear things up. You know. You got to first tear down. You got to first throw down. You got to first... Uh, uh, destroy before you can build you know you can't build on the wrong stuff you can't build on the wrong foundation you can't build on the wrong culture you can't you can't come and impart into things that just don't line up with the word of God and don't even make room for the Holy Ghost so there has to be first a cleaning out and it's always going to tear I'm on a tear right now praise God hallelujah come 2020 I'm on a tear I'm gonna tear things up some things need to be torn up. Amen. Also, the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. So the new is never going to match the old. Don't try to build on the old. Don't try to mix it. A lot of people just trying to mix the old with the new. What Jesus is saying is you got to get rid of the old in order to step into the new. All right. Now I'm going to show you something. Let's keep reading. And then look at verse 37. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Or else the new wine will burst or tear again. 
the wine skins and will be spilled, but the new wine skin uh, but the, and the wine skin will be ruined. But the new wine must be put into new wine skins, and then both are preserved. And no one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires new, for he says the old is better. And that's the problem with the church. The old is better. Many are stuck in that mindset. The old is better. The old ain't working. The old isn't working. It's not working. Might be filling buildings, but it's still not working. And now it's not even filling buildings. Church attendance is down almost 30% in the last two years of COVID. It's the lowest it's ever been in America. But we grew through it. Why? Because we never closed down. We didn't compromise. And we are not going to compromise. We are never going to compromise. We're not mixing with the old. We're on a tear. Can't, it's not, doesn't match. So the old mindset has to go out the door. You have to be willing to change. And when we talk about change, and even Pastor Vincent touched on the mindset. Prosperity has to be in your mind even as your soul prospers. Poverty is a mindset. And then a spirit. A spirit of poverty comes on people, but it's a mindset. You, there has to be a paradigm shift. There has to be a way of ch- seeing things in a new and a fresh way. And that has to mean that God has to open the eyes of your understanding and show you things to come. Because that's what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will show you things to come. So what does that mean? We can know the future. You have access to divine information through revelation of the Holy Spirit to be able to know what is to come. That's what wisdom is. That's what the word of wisdom is. It's supernatural information about the future that prepares you. One of the nine gifts of the Spirit is the word of wisdom. Supernatural information revealed to you by the Holy Spirit so that you have the ability to see into the future. And not only that, but it also gives you strategy because wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge. It's not enough just to have knowledge. You also have to know how to apply it. A lot of people have a bunch of information in their head. They have a whole bunch of head knowledge, but they don't know how to apply it. And wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge. And the Holy Ghost will lead you and guide you in that area. Amen. Is this helping anybody here this morning? I really felt this is going to help a lot of people. Because we're talking about being, being led by the Holy Spirit. This is the year. Those who are not led by the Holy Spirit are going to be left behind. There's a tear happening in the church there's a distinct separation happening in the church the old and the new are being torn apart and it's okay because it's a work of God it's a work of the spirit of God because the spirit and the flesh cannot work together actually Galatians says they're contrary to one another they strive against they work against one another so the fleshly carnal church is always going to work against the spirit-filled spirit-led spiritual church To be carnally minded is in, to be in enmity against God because it just cannot receive. Carnally minded person cannot receive the things of the Spirit. To them, they are foolishness. So a lot of things what we do here is foolishness to people. But that's fine. The gospel is foolishness to the world. But God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And your life this, in this year of big things that God is going to do through you by the Holy Ghost is going to confound the wise because they're going to say, how in the world can God do that with you? 
How could that happen with you? Because it's not about you. It's about a big God that's on the inside of you. It's about who you serve. Mighty God working in you and through you. That's why Paul is praying. Lord, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the Father. What is the spirit of wisdom? It's the ability to see into the future and to know what to do. That's what a spirit of wisdom is. It's really, the, the way I can paraphrase it, it's divine strategies. Spirit of wisdom is divine strategies. It's kind of like Jesus saying to Peter, oh, you need tax money? Go catch a fish. But you just need one hook, not a net. Obey me. Don't put down a net. See, so he could have gone and thrown in a net. No, no, no. You don't even need to get on the boat. You don't need a net. Just one hook, one fish, open its mouth, one shekel. Go pay your half shekel. Go pay my half shekel. And you're debt free. Tax money is taken care of. What is that? That's a divine strategy. So we need divine strategies. And it looks foolish, doesn't it? What do you mean? One hook, one fish, one shekel? What? How does that even work? I'm, I've been a fisherman my whole life. I don't use hooks. I use nets. Hooks don't get you anywhere. I need a big net. I need a lot of fish. Nope. You just need one fish because that one fish is going to equal one shekel. And I did some research and calculations. One shekel is three denarii. That's three days of labor. So for a fisherman to work three days to catch thousands of fish, let's just say a thousand fish over three days, one hook, literally like one minute equals three days of income. That's called supernatural acceleration. When you have, when you have a strategy from heaven, everything changes. You're operating outside of the normal. You're operating outside of natural circumstances you're operating at a different level you're operating at a new level and the old doesn't mix doesn't match so there has to be that paradigm shift there has to be that change what is this new wine the new wine is the powerful flow of the power of the holy spirit it flows like a river to save to heal to deliver and touch our society by revealing the heavenly father spirit of wisdom and revelation in the father it is important to emphasize that the new wine must come first because it is only after its arrival that the old can be removed and replaced. Because the new comes to, to expose the old. If the new doesn't come, you don't even know what's old. And that's why those that are stuck in the old just usually can't receive it. They reject it. They become old wineskins. Stiff and hard and inflexible because a wine skin would be like a leather pouch basically but what happens to leather when it becomes stiff hard inflexible starts to crack starts to become brittle and then when you pour new wine into it and it begins to expand and the thing about the new wine is it just keeps expanding because of the gas and the pressure that it builds up so there's going to be this thing expansion on the inside of you and if you're in an old wine skin it's just going to burst that's what Jesus is going to break tear the old wine skin is going to be spilt and both will be ruined that's why he says you can't take new wine and put it into old wine skins but there is a good news for old wine skins you take that old wine skin that leather pouch you soak it in water first you got to soak it in the word. 
And, and that word, that water has to get in. It's, it can't be just dip. Can't be, no, no, you got to leave it and you got to let it soak. Sometimes for a couple of days, that word has to really get in. The word can't just touch the surface. It'll just dry up again. It's got to get in. It's got to seep in. The word has got to get into you. Come on, somebody, somebody say, the word has to get into me. The word of God has to soak into my spirit. All right? Can't be just head knowledge. You know what's head knowledge? The word just on your skin, that's it. And it dries up. It's got to soak into you. Then you take that new wine skin, uh, the old wine skin that the water has soaked into. Now it's starting to get flexible. Then you take oil. And you got to rub oil into it. You got to smear. That's what the, anoint, the word anoint means to smear. So you got to smear some oil into it. You got to just take that oil and you got to smear, smear, and smear some oil. You gotta smear oil. Hallelujah. Smear that oil into that that wine skin. And it begins to get soft and flexible again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bring her. That some oil splashed on you while I was smearing oil on him. Oil, oil smashed on you. You gotta, you gotta smear oil, smear, smear oil all over. And then just that oil has to get smeared in, just rubbed in. You know, ladies, you rub all that, you put all that stuff. Us guys, we just get out of the shower and just go. Take a towel and just, that's it, I'm ready to go. Deodorant. That's, that's it. You just smear and rub and lotions. and so You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I think I'm getting some oil smeared on me right now. It's, 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 it's the oil of joy. Hallelujah. It's the oil of joy, smearing some oil, smearing oil, smearing, 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 smearing oil, smearing oil, smearing oil. Hallelujah. But you know, you know why the oil works? Because people have been soaked in the word. That's why we put so much emphasis on the word here. You go to churches, they just want to have oil smeared on them, but they no, they're not having soaked in the word. You can't just take oil and smear it on, on an old wineskin. So you got to smear, 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 if you're Jewish. Smear sh- some. Smear <laughs> some oil. Smear sh- some oil. Smear, smear some oil on you. Hallelujah. Branda baka seketetere bondolobo. Hallelujah. Come on, say, Lord, smear oil on me. Anoint me. 
Holy Ghost. Rub oil into me. Hallelujah. Oil of, oil of the Spirit. And what makes somebody a wise virgin as opposed to a foolish virgin? Half of the church, separation. The wise, what is, what is, they have a spirit of wisdom. They have the oil of the Holy Spirit. They have divine strategy. They see things. They are aware. They're ready. They're prepared. They're equipped. And what makes foolish virgins? They don't have the oil. The word goes out. The lamp goes out. They're in darkness. They're deceived. The world has pulled the wool over their eyes and they're just going with whatever is going on. That's what's happening. There's a separation. It's tearing apart. Amen. The old and the new, they tear apart. They can't, they don't fit, they don't match. They don't fit together. So the new comes to expose the old. And God is not moved by the old and he is not threatened by the old and he doesn't even care. Jesus showed up and, I mean, he showed up and just messed things up, didn't he? He, he went into the synagogue and just messed things up. You messed up our script. You have six other days. Why do you heal now? He walks to a funeral, opens the casket, embarrassing the woman. And, but then he pulls the boy up and gives him back to his mom. He eats with dirty hands, but then he, the same dirty hands healed the sick. So he's always, he was always breaking tradition. He was a tradition breaker. And churches, we have to be breaking tradition. Traditions. People are stuck in a rut. They're stuck in their tradition. They're stuck in their mindset. They're stuck in oldy, moldy, mildewy mindsets. If you could visit some people's minds, it'd be like... <laughs> There's a lot of mold. It's like black mold everywhere in this chamber. I can't breathe. But you need a fresh attitude. Be renewed in the attitude of your mind, says in Ephesians. Actually, having a fresh mental attitude. You, fresh. God, everything God does is fresh. It's always fresh. He doesn't serve stale bread. It's fresh bread. Straight from hot, straight from the ovens of heaven. I mean, it's just it's nothing like that fresh, hot bread. It's always fresh, fresh oil, new wine, living water. <laughs> Everyone say new. To step into the new. You can fast and pray and still be stuck in the old. I see some Christians, they fast and pray, but it's all out of tradition. It's all out of rule of religion, but I don't see the change. I don't see the change. Change has to happen in you. Change has to happen in you. The new wine comes to replace the religious traditions, obsolete methods, old mentalities. Or patterns of thinking to replace negative paradigms old and even sometimes innocent 
looking philosophies, negative attitudes, and old patterns that have been operating in your life, in the church, even in your business. Now, it's interesting. Now, look at this. They come to him. Now, watch this. This is so amazing. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Why do the disciples of John, the Baptist, so they're the Baptists. Just teasing. They pray, they fast like the Pharisees. Now, isn't it interesting? Wasn't it John the Baptist? I mean, if you think about it, it was John the Baptist. It was at his meeting by the Jordan. He was having an open-air crusade, preaching the prophet, baptizing. Jesus just walks into the crowd. They didn't really know him. John recognized him, said, I must be baptized by you. Jesus says, nope, nope, to fulfill righteousness. I'm going to humble myself. This is your meeting. I'm not taking the mic. You baptize me. And then the heavens opened. The Father spoke. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Spirit of God came upon him like a dove. And then the anointing came on him. And then he goes into the wilderness to start out the first 40 days to preparation. Comes back from the wilderness. Goes to Nazareth. Where he was brought up, as it was his custom, goes into the synagogue, being empowered with the Holy Spirit. And he's handed to him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He opens it and he begins to read, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. All right. And he starts his ministry. Until then, it was John the Baptist's ministry. And John said, I must decrease, he must increase. There is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And it was actually the very first disciples of Jesus were disciples of John the Baptist. They left John to follow Jesus, but apparently some of them haven't left. They haven't transitioned from the old to the new, and they're hanging out with the Pharisees. John's ministry was to prepare the way of the Lord Jesus, but some of them never made the transition to leave John and to follow Jesus. They've actually gone backwards. They've actually gone, instead of going forward, they've actually gone backwards. Now they're hanging out with the Pharisees. The Pharisees said, we're calling a fast and a prayer. We'll join you. And they're fasting and they're praying and they have still no power. No power. All the power in their lives put together is not even enough to blow their nose. No power. John had no signs. And even many, many... Several years later, actually, John is in prison, and he sends some of his disciples who are still kind of in no man's land, in a sense, kind of purgatory of religion and tradition. They kind of like don't know what's going on, and they come to John, you know, and then John, even John is confused now. Go ask him. Is he the one to come? They come to Jesus. Again, they ask him a question. Are you the one to come? And does Jesus answer the question? No. He just turns around, heals the sick, casts out devils, manifests and demonstrates and releases the power of God. And then he turns around and he asks them a question. Say, Jesus asked a question. He always answers questions. He said, do you see what's going on here? Go tell John what you have seen. If you can't figure out that I am the one to come, I mean, literally, I just cast out devils, cleansed the lepers, raised the dead, walked on water. I mean, put money in the fish's mouth. I mean, what more do you need to see? Are you the one to come? In other words, are you the Messiah? Are you the anointed one? Are you the one whom the Spirit of God has anointed? Well, look at the power of God. If you can't see it, then you're blind. 
Blind Pharisee. That's what he called them. So spiritual blindness has come upon many in the church because they're in the flesh. They're in the carnal realm. They listen to news. They listen to information. They're led by information. They're not led by revelation. They're not led by the Holy Ghost. They, they're stuck in an old way. They, they become old wineskins and they can't receive the new. And God spares them because if he did pour out the new, it would basically just tear them apart. So we are in a place of tearing. There is a tearing taking place. And when you tear things, it is painful. And, and many want to keep the church together the same way. No, 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 no. It ain't going to happen that way. Nope, 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 no, no. Nope. It's not going to happen that way anymore. There is a tear. There is a separation. It's prophesied. It's in the word of God. There is a separation. And, but many don't like it. They don't like the change. They don't like the separation. They want to keep things the way it was. You can't keep things the way they were. There has to be a change for us to go to the next level, for us to go to the next place in God. There has to be a change. That's why we always say revival is not just a touch. It's a change. Many people come to this church. Many people have come to my meetings over the years and they've been touched in revival. But they go right back to the same thing. And I'll quote a scripture. So don't get offended with me like a dog returning back to its vomit. They go back to the vomit of religion and tradition and they sit in dead places doing the same thing again over and over again and what is the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different result and there is no change nothing changes the results are the same so if you want to see different results we have to allow God to change us what does that mean give us Lord give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation open the eyes of our understanding in other words, let me have eyes to see through my spirit. Not these eyes, but the eyes of my spirit. Did you know that your spirit have, has eyes? Your spirit has eyes. And your spirit, listen now, your spirit can see into the future. These eyes can only see the now and what's in front of you. Your spirit can literally see to the other side of the world years down the line. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Shakaramba damra. Salavada. That'll preach right there. So you have spiritual eyes. You have spiritual ears. You have spiritual smell. You have spiritual taste. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus smells like the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon. Things of the spirit smell good. Things, demonic things smell nasty. And then touch. The feeling of touch. So the five senses that we have in the natural are also in the spiritual so now instead of being sense led of the physical you have to become in tune to the th things of the spirit to be able to see to hear to feel to smell to taste because the spirit of god reveals things that way i mean you know you see somebody just sitting here and they, they jump up and they run around i'm on fire and they look they look normal but they are on fire like there's like a spiritual fire that's come upon them and they are burning Amen. hallelujah and some of you are being tickled in your spirit you're being tickled in your spirit you're being tickled in your spirit why are they laughing nothing's funny why are they laughing no because they're being tickled in their spirit they're feeling the presence of god the joy of the lord flowing out of their belly 
and smearing some oil of joy, oil of joy, oil of joy. Smearing oil, smearing oil. Hallelujah. Amen. Everybody say new wine. So you need to get drunk on the new wine and stay drunk. What does that mean? That means you're out of your mind. Because where God's taking you, you can't go there in your mind. Your mind will talk you out of it. Your mind will say, what do you mean? One hook, one fish, one shekel. No, that's not possible. I mean, I've been a fisherman. I've been on this lake my whole life. I've never seen that before. Like this one man came to me after a service. He said, this can't be God. I said, what do you mean, sir? He goes, well, I've never seen it before. I said, oh, wonderful. Now, what, whether it's God or not is based on your experience, what you've seen. I said, it doesn't matter if you haven't seen it before. And that's a lot of people out there. Ah, that can't be God. I've never seen it before. I've never heard of it before. Guess what? God's taken us where no man has seen, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no one has understood because these things are revealed to us by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. And that, that is the key to being led by the Spirit. It's not just coming and falling on the floor. I like it. The power of God touches people. But what, what do you do when you leave this place? What do you do when you walk out of this place? Do you go right back to the flesh? Or do you stay in the Spirit and allow the Spirit of God to continue to do that work in you? To lead you, to guide you, to speak to you? Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands. Father, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Speak to us. Show us things to come. Open the eyes of our understanding, that we have ears to hear, eyes to see. The hope of your calling. We have a hope. We're not a hopeless people. The world is hopeless. They're in darkness. We have a hope in Jesus' name. Show us the hope we have. Show us. Give us understanding. Show us that we may understand, know that rich inheritance we have in your glory as saints that rich 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 inheritance show us give us that revelation understanding of the power the surpassing greatness of your power that is at work in us the same power the same power that manifested at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not only at his resurrection, but at his ascension, at his glorification. When he was given the name above every name and everything has been put under his feet. The power, the dominion, the authority that we walk in through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Shabaramba lambara. Burn that into our spirits. That it will be more real to us than whatever is out there. That our reality will be that the greater one lives on the inside of us. Fire! Glory, glory, glory. So the same fire that comes on you in these meetings is the same fire that stays on you when you leave and you go. You go to your workplace tomorrow. You go to your business meeting. You go operating wherever you're doing. You're out there and you're flowing in the anointing. And now you're operating beyond the now, the present, the natural. You're operating literally in the future. Because the Spirit of God is always about the future. 
He's always doing something to prepare you for what is to be happening to change you from glory onto glory because he's got a great plan that he's working in you and through you. And that plan is going to make a great impact for the kingdom of God. And you're going to be used mightily of the Lord. Hallelujah. So there are going to be three major obstacles to the new wine. First, we know the Pharisees were a problem. These are the legalistic religious leaders bound by rules, regulations, who loved money. And this is not necessarily your old school, traditional Christian church either. This could be the seeker-friendly megachurch down the street. They're just as religious as, as, you know, as the people they, they call religious. And we don't want to be like them. I mean, some churches, they are, they, they, there's like churches where they, they want to be so non-religious that they literally serve beer in the lobby. And we don't want to be religious. No, you're just being stupid. You know, you're just being devil, full of devils. Oh, we just drink beer here and we hang out, we party. Really? No, I'm serious. I kid you not. Stuff is happening. We were in Czech Republic, Prague one time, my, my wife and I. And then uh, we were among, it was a leadership conference and, uh, for, all, for Europe, what we were doing with teaching leadership seminars. And then we were there and then a bunch of, we're all with pastors. These are all pastors. They're all boozing up. It's a leadership conference. We're at, we're, we're at lunch, dinner. They're all pastors. And some of them, big churches, big names in Europe, they're all boozing up. And we're the only ones not drinking. And they just looked at us and they go, oh, you Americans, because these are all Europeans, you're Americans. And I'm like, we're not even American, we're Turkish. But anyways, yeah, well, you, you, you've just been discipled with the American way. Well, actually, to be honest with you, American way has changed. It's not the way it used to be. Yeah, maybe in the 80s, 70s, 90s, people were strong against alcohol and all this stuff, which one of the things you're going to really touch on in the Christian lifestyle is a lot of these things that we're talking about whether it's Christian lifestyle or worldly lifestyle. But I mean, you know, that has nothing to do with, that has nothing to do with alcohol. I said, I drink the new wine. I just make a decision that I'm not going to be influenced by something else. I'm going to be under the influence of the Spirit of God. Do not be drunk with wine where it leads to debauchery, excess works of the flesh, but be filled with the Spirit. Be ye being filled, continually filled with the Spirit. So that, what, you may be, Singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody in your heart unto the Lord, giving thanks always for all things. I mean, so I want to live in that realm of being filled with the Spirit. Because I'll tell you what happened to me, November 12, 1995, when the Lord visited me, the glory of God came into my living room and I was taken up to the third heaven, stood before Jesus, the power of God touched me. I was like a drunk man for a week after that. I could not even function. I go to the office the next day. I'm in a project planning meeting. And I started bawling my eyes out. I'm weeping. I'm like bawling my eyes out. And I don't even know why I'm crying. I'm just shaking, bawling my eyes out. And they're just all looking at me like this. You okay? Did somebody die? I said, no, excuse me. And I had to go to the restroom. I sat there for an 30 minutes just bawling my eyes out. And then I go, I go, I'm sitting at lunch. I can't eat. Everything's like in slow motion. I'm driving like 20 miles an hour down the street. I'm on I-10. Houston 
I'm going like 35 people are honking their horns at me. I'm like, excuse, huh? I was just like, I, I was literally like physically on the planet, but I was not. I was like still caught up. And, I, you know, and that was amazing what the Lord did. And I never wanted to lose that feeling. And you have many opportunities to get pulled into things. Where you just get pulled out of that cloud. See, when you're in the cloud, your life is hidden in Christ. When you come out of the cloud, you're exposed. The devil knows what, where you're at and what you're doing. Stay in the cloud. Stay in the cloud of glory. And it's in the cloud of glory. Think about it. Moses went up to the cloud of glory for 40 days. He came down knowing entire history of the world. Wrote the first four, five books of the Bible. God showed him everything. He showed him creation and garden, the garden, everything. He showed him everything. He, 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 all the things he saw. And he comes down and his face is shining like the noonday sun. And, and, and the presence of God, the glory of God on him was so convicting to people that were in the flesh, the carnal people. They, they asked him to cover his face with a veil. And coming into 2020, how many of you remember I stood here, New Year's Eve service, I said, and I gave the word of the Lord for 2020. I said, this is going to be a year of big, big changes, huge changes. And the way of doing ministry is going to change. Many things in the church are going to change. And then the, the word was, the, the verse was, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we're being changed from glory unto glory into the very image of Christ. Unveiled face. Little did we know three months later, everybody was going to be masking up and all this and shutting churches down and everything changed. Big changes. See, when you have the Spirit of God, you know. And the same Spirit that showed me for 2020 and then 2021 was doing more with less grace and now this year is going to be big, big. Hallelujah. everyone everyone's big is different but it's going to be big i don't know what your big is but it better be big and it better be bigger than you can handle and it better be big enough for god come on somebody Remember, the Pharisees, they loved money. They loved money. Religion loves money. They love money. And there's a lot of ministries, it's all about money. It's all about money. As long as they have money coming in, they don't care. Fill the building, money comes in, they don't care how people live. They don't care. They don't care how people live. As long as the building is filled, the money's coming in. But that is not a sign of success. God judges things very differently. You might have 32,000 in your church, but I might have 300. But we'll go to war and get the victory with 300 that have the fire of God on their tails and the spirit of faith. And that's all we're looking for. When you can have 10-year-olds going out and laying hands on people in grocery store parking lots and 14, 15 year olds casting out devils, laying hands on people. That's what we want. We want to train them young. We want to mobilize every single person, young and old, male, female, short, tall, doesn't matter. We want to mobilize everyone, everyone in the body of Christ to be mobilized. But you need oil. You need the new wine. You need to, be, you need to allow the power of God to work in you. Then you have the scribes and the Sadducees. 
even in the times of Jesus. Who would those be today? Sadducees. They're sad, you see. They're very sad. They're very sad. They're the intellectuals, liberals. The, the woke church. The woke preacher. Politically correct, cancel culture, woke preacher. The intellectuals, they don't, the Pharisees, they didn't believe in angels, the supernatural, they didn't believe in spirit or resurrection. Everything was intellectual. So you have that intellectual church. They, they the mind, the intellect cannot grab the things of the spirit. So if you're trying to sit here intellectually, mm, figure things out, you'll never figure it out. Mm. Your meathead, it is, that's what it is. It's just another piece of meat up here in your cranium, 10 centimeters wide. Can't figure it out. You cannot figure out the things of God in your head. I don't care how intelligent you are. And be careful that you, it's not all about the information in your head. It's got to get down into your heart. It's got to soak into your heart. It's got to soak into your heart. Hallelujah. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I feel like people are getting soaked. <laughs> and, and smeared. So, the, yeah, the Pharisees, Sadducees. But what about the disciples of John the Baptist? These guys should have made the transition. They had the leader who, who told them, follow him. But they didn't listen. In John chapter 10, verse 41, you see disciples of John the Baptist, they preach and they teach the good word of God, but their lives are devoid of the power of God. They spoke right doctrine, but didn't have spiritual power. And we have that part of the church too. And I've been, I've been to conferences. Great word is preached. Sound doctrine. Good teachers of the word. Good preaching. And then it's like I'm sitting there and, and I know it's about to explode. And then just close it down. Take a break. All right, everybody, 15 minute break. Come back. The next speaker is going to come up. And I'm like, and I'm like vibrating in my body. I'm about to fall out. I'm, I want to run around the place. I knew that if they just lingered. They just stayed with it. It was going to explode. If they could have just said, forget the 15-minute break, forget the next speaker, let the Holy Ghost move, and they could, I mean, amazing things could have happened. And I've been there, and I, and I sat there and thinking to myself, oh, if they would just let the Holy Ghost move. What is it about? Control. Control. And, and you got a lot of movements that have become dry. Like old wineskins. Even people, they want to talk about Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen. But man, the man was a drunkard. You saw him, he walk around, filled with the Spirit, waving at people, power of God. He wasn't just a teacher, he was a prophet who moved in the power of God. And they want to talk about it. And then you look at some of his disciples now. They just gravitate to the teaching of faith. But where is the spirit of faith? Where is the moving of the Spirit? Where is the fire? And they become dry. And then you got a whole other section of the church. They want to have a move of the spirit, but there's almost no word. 
and then anything goes and it's like who's who in the charismatic zoo and some people they show up here and they think we're the same way and then we tell them you can't do that here and they're like what do you mean you can't well if the spirit of god leads me no he ain't gonna lead you against the pastor here They want to come here, prophesy to everybody in the toilet. There you are, you're sitting there on the toilet, you're trying to do, do your business, and a hand comes out from under the divider. Thus saith the Lord. Wipe and put that in their hand and say, There you go, there's my response. Thus saith I. They want to practice their prophetic ministry at the expense of somebody else's ministry. Go get your own crowd. Oh, I'm sorry, you can't. No, I'm serious because that's how it is. And they're a bunch of flaky people. They float around. They can't submit anywhere. And so you have that too. So you've got a lot of issues that goes on. But it's the spirit and the word working together. The water and the oil working together. Soaked in the water. Amen. Anointed with the oil. Both of them have to be working. The spirit and the word working together. And the spirit of God never works against the word of God. The Spirit of God comes to confirm the Word of God. When you preach the Word, the Spirit of God comes to demonstrate and then manifest the reality of the Word. You preach healing, people get healed. And that's, that's how it needs to be. They work together. So you got a lot of people, it's all Word, 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 and they're dr they dry up. And you look at their face, they look like they're constipated. <laughs> Spiritual constipation. They're blocked up. They need a movement. <laughs> and then you got others, they just want spirit, spirit, spirit. And they blow up. But you get the word and the spirit together, you grow up. When it's time to worship, you lift up. When it's time to give, you give up. When it's time to go, you go up. So it has to be working. So we are a church. We're strong on the word and we're strong in the spirit. Both. 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 One pastor in Turkey came to one of our camp meetings, like a five-hour meeting. And he just comes to me after. So he's just looking at me like, I said, yes. He goes, you preach for like two hours. I said, yes. I said, what do you think we do here? I don't know. I think everybody just fell on the floor and rolled around and laughed for five hours. We do that too, but not for five hours. If, if it happens, it happens. But we preach the word. You got to have the word. Amen. Revival broke out in this one church. Power of God, I mean, weeks and weeks of revival. And then Pastor Ronnie leaves. And then the pastor, about two months later, calls up Pastor Ronnie. He says, hey, you ruined my church. What do you mean? Revival ruined my church. People are leaving my church. He says, well, what do you do on Sundays? I just get up there and power of God falls on me and I just fall out on the stage for two hours and I, I just roll on the laughing and the joy of the Lord is on me every Sunday morning and he says you idiot you need to preach the word of course people are going to leave they're not going to come watch you sit on the stage for two hours rolling around they need they want the word now if we all fall out rolling on the floor that's wonderful we do it together but you still got to have the word you got to preach the word you got to teach the word hallelujah but not only word. If you, you can't just eat steak. You got to drink some water. 
And if all you do is just drink, then you're going to have diarrhea. And you're going to be running here, running there, running everywhere. And that's why you got a lot of runny people. Because there's no word to keep them stable and established and put structure and boundaries in their lives. They just want to have an experience. They run to the next conference. They run to the next prophet. They run to the next apostle. Some other place. They're just always running. And then they're picking up things and putting in their mouth. And they don't even know what it is. So there has to be the word. And there has to be the spirit of God working together. Hallelujah. And now fast forward. And I'll close with this. And I'm going to pray. Fast forward to Acts chapter 19. This is, I would say, probably about 25 years. 20, 25 years into the the day of Pentecost. 25 years or so after the day of Pentecost. Think about that. So John the Baptist has been dead by almost 30 years at this point. Paul goes to Ephesus. Ephesus, you know how far that is from Jerusalem. I mean, it's pretty far, really far, like a whole other country, a whole other culture, everything. He shows up and he finds 12 guys, said they're disciples. And he's like, and, and he asked them a question. First question, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they look at Paul and said, we have not heard of the Holy Spirit. The holy what? And then he's like, I mean, who's teaching? I mean, if you're disciples, you're, you're, you know, you're students. Who's teaching are you following? Oh, John the Baptist. What? The guy's been dead almost 30 years. What do you mean? How did, how did his teaching find its way into Ephesus, like Greek city? Have you not heard that John the Baptist was the one who talked about Jesus? He, his ministry is over. He came to prepare the way of the Lord, Jesus Christ, the anointed one. And he preaches the gospel to them. Because they only had John's baptism. Now they're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul lays hands on them. And the Bible says they, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Begin to speak with tongues and prophesy. And there was 12 of them. And it sparked a revival that lasted two years where Paul was ministering every single day and at the height of the revival it was so powerful that even handkerchiefs aprons taken from his body were carried to far from villages towns all over Asia Minor which today would be the nation of Turkey my nation and the Bible says everyone heard the gospel and all of Asia Minor the Asian province was shaken by the power of God think about what how that revivalism was sparked with just 12 people, 12 Baptists. Who became Pentecostals? Not a denomination, because there's some Pentecostals that are just as dead and religious as anybody. I'm talking about real Pentecost. I'm talking about Pentecostal fire. I'm talking about... I'm, t- I'm talking about mighty rushing wind, divided tongues of fire. I'm talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. I'm talking about the fire of God burning in you. I'm talking about revival. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost in you. I'm talking about the reality of the mighty power of God on the inside of you. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about some denomination. 
And I can make these jokes because when I got saved out of Sunni Islam, I didn't know anything about church. I didn't know the difference between Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Vegetarian. I didn't know anything. So my roommate at the time was a Baptist of the Southern kind. This is how clueless I was. I wonder, is there a Northern Baptist? If I go out West, is there Western Baptist? I don't know. Eastern Baptist. Central Baptist. I don't know. So he said, so he took me to a Baptist church. So I was among the Baptists. Then I became a troublemaker because I began to ask about the Holy Spirit. And they said, well, he helps you read the Bible. I said, okay. And he did. Thank, thank God he helped me read the Bible. I read the Bible. I said, Holy Spirit, show me. And I read the book of Acts and I said, okay, this does not match. Here's God's blueprint and here's one man built. It doesn't match. I fail. It, it fails the test. You know, I'm trained as an engineer. I go to inspect things and I looked at it. I inspected. Nice building, big, a lot of people. No Holy Ghost. Where is, where is mighty Russian? Where is divided tongues of fire? Where is tongues? Where is laying hands on the sick? Where is power? Where is the gifts of the Spirit? And they said, oh, that doesn't happen anymore. I said, show me where. They couldn't. They always go to some obscure scripture, you know. Well, you know, we know in part, we prophesy in part, you know, knowledge will pass, prophecy will pass, tongues will pass. No, it's talking about when we see him face to face in heaven. It's talking about when we come into the perfection of heaven, that's when we, you don't need to prophesy or you don't need tongues in heaven. You don't need the gifts of the spirit in heaven. You're immersed in them. They're in you. They're, it, it, it's everything is known. There's nothing hidden to be revealed. So that's some obscure scripture. And so you have, they have different names now. Calvinists and this and that, whatever. But it's the same. Pharisees, Sadducees, wouldn't sees, couldn't sees. <laughs> 25, 30 years later, you, still, you have John's disciples in Ephesus. How in the world did John's teachings even get over there? And they yet, yet, his biggest teaching... His primary teaching was, there is the Lamb of God. I must decrease, he must increase. I can only baptize you with water unto repentance, but he, that's Jesus coming after me, mightier than I, has power. He's going to baptize in the Holy Ghost and fire. Didn't you get that part? You know what? The last chapter was missing of the manual. The teaching manual, um, that must have been it. We didn't get the last chapter. There was like a missing pages. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. I hope that you have been blessed. I would like for you to consider two things. Number one, subscribe to our show to receive notifications of our new podcasts. Number two, support our ministry of reaching the nations with revival by clicking on the link in the description or visiting our website, riverwpb.com. Thank you for tuning in. Look forward to you joining our next podcast. God bless you.